This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have been so giddy and excited to have uh, my next guest here. He's John Taffer. Everybody knows him, of course, as the incredible host of Bar Rescue. He's an extraordinary entrepreneur, a hospitality expert just by watching the show, an executive producer, as I am myself, but he's also the founder of Taffer's Tavern and the creator of Taffer's Brown Butter Bourbon. Welcome Mm. to the playbook, my friend, John Taffer. Dave, good to be here, my friend. It's nice to see you, not just hear your voice. Yeah, well, now you've got the lower end of Dave Meltzer because I definitely, and you'll get this being a little bit older, I have a voice for radio and finally it pays off uh, on both sides of the fence with so much audio out there. It's funny, um, my mother been... told me I had a face for radio. <laughs> oh, that's right. I probably screwed that up. <laughs> that's what I meant to say, but more um, importantly, uh, you you also have a, a great podcast yourself. But I, I want to start with so many things that you have going on. Uh, there has to be common threads. And I call it a vertebrae approach that all the most successful people with so many different projects have some sort of system that creates a vertebrae in which a spine, which can create these vertebrae businesses and continue the success as long as you feed that spine with the necessary blood that will then flow. Uh, for you, you know, what are some of the characteristics or principles that you've learned throughout the years that you utilize on your TV show as well to have such a strong spine that can handle and carry so much on each of these vertebrae? I think it's, it's, if I would do it in one word, Dave, I would say it's authenticity. It's understanding that through my television show, I portray myself as I truly am. The show's not scripted. There's no actors. It is truly me. Cameras follow me around. I don't even know what I'm going to build until I get there. I don't, I'm not involved in casting. I've never been there before. So I've realized that I've been on TV for so many years because it's authentic. I'm not any different there than I am here. So when I go into a product, it has to connect to me in an authentic, organic kind of a way or I just won't do it. Now, I step out of the beverage space. I'm involved in software companies and I'm involved in POS companies, transactional software, things like that. But but uh, uh, I really stay close to my DNA and I, I feed that vertebrae because I believe the things that I do can't just suck away from it. They need to feed an energy to the vertebrae. And I believe that if everything I do helps feeding that vertebrae with brand building energy, equity building energy, then, you know, my brown butter bourbon can have a very positive influence on my tavern business. And that can have a positive impact on my television business. So so I think understanding that the vertebrae is sort of, I'm using your term if you don't mind. Yeah, that's fine, I love it. That that vertebrae is a breathing, living thing. Sometimes it needs to inhale. Sometimes it needs to exhale. And I think that we want to stay in touch with that a little bit to provide it with the resources to do that. You know, with the advent of social media, what I call this amplification, that has such extraordinary power if utilized correctly. And we talk about authenticity. And I love to define that uh, because that term gets thrown around with a lot of people that may be standing in front of cars that they don't own or houses that they're leasing, uh, taking the best or even better than the best snapshot of their life and posting it for all as reality. Uh, But authenticity to me is based off of understanding your essence. Um, And it takes a lot of dummy tax to get to the point where number one, we're aware of our essence, which is an incorporation in my opinion of your skills, as you mentioned, your knowledge, not only of what, but of who, which also takes time and experience. Yeah. And then 
I, I throw in your desire because that seems to be, I mentioned or subtly tried to brag to you, you know, I've done 1500 of these to try to add at least a little credibility to what I'm doing today. But it is the common denominator of all people with the spirit of excellence, with this vertebrae or spine approach, uh, a desire that you must be what you can be. And no matter what you amplify or how you amplify it, the truth vibrates the fastest. And to be able to go into a situation and just utilize your own skill, your own knowledge of who and what, and your desire to help people at its essence is why I think your community has grown. And I love the fact that these vertebrae that you built all feed each other as, as well. And I've tried to mirror that type of strategy. How important do you think experience is today in media because there's a lot of young people that may take on a model approach where look i'll hold up a product because i'm beautiful or silly or funny that has been used for years but there's a different value in what you give through the experiences you've had and the authenticity that i speak of both ways you know, I used to say years ago, if I made a mistake in the media, said something I shouldn't have said, used the word wrong, a wrong word, it disappears in a week. Today in social media, when you mess up, it lives forever. It haunts you. Look at the target situation today where message gets out of control. You know, in our traditional media world, let's say if you're building a sports brand, you were able to control the narrative and the messaging on that brand. Right Today in social media, it's a nightmare to try to control that messaging. It can spin off in any direction at any time. Uh, 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 so, so that's a real challenge in social media is how do you manage the message? How do you manage that brand so that it doesn't go in a direction that you don't want it to? And I think I hate to be so simplistic, but it goes back to being true to yourself and understanding who and what you are. And we use some of the same expressions. I use the term dummy up. And when I dummy up, I say to myself, okay, I'm going to dummy up. What are the three or four things that are most important in this scenario right now? Let me throw away the ones that aren't for the time being. And I look at my own brand and I'll dummy up and I'll say, what are the attributes of this brand that have made me successful? And are they me? And I try to really understand that in a retrospective kind of a way. And then you have to feel it or don't do it. And that's a hard thing to explain in a logical sense. And I'm guessing you meet an athlete in your gut. You don't want to rep him. You do want to rep him. A lot of it is instinctual. But if you get in touch with yourself, really understand who you are, what demands you have of yourself. And I use the word demands very differently than goals. Right? I have goals and I have demands upon myself. And the demands are the things that I must do every day have me achieve those goals. So one is a little bigger, the other is a little more detailed, if you will. And I think to myself, if I understand myself well, and I understand the demands I place upon myself, then I can start to achieve those goals. If I could tell a quick story, my grandfather invented direct mail, got credit in who's who in advertising for inventing direct marketing. And he was 15 years old in Brooklyn. You'll like this story. Blind parents, his father sold newspapers. It's a true story in Brooklyn. And my grandfather found an old printing press and he saved money and he was 15 and he went out and he bought the letters and he printed up flyers for stores in Brooklyn and he put them in his father's newspapers on a stand. And then it was two stands and then three stands. He invented newspaper inserts. And then a huge ad agency hired him called New Era. He went in and opened up a whole direct marketing and the whole industry blossomed. I grew up in that shadow. 
So, I, you know, I look at people, if my father was the biggest actor in Hollywood, how do you grow up in that shadow? If my father was a bum on Skid Row or in prison, how do I grow up in that shadow? And I think that was an important part of life for me is understanding that I had a family that had some success. And as good as he did, the demand upon myself was to do better than him, to go one step further, to leave my family and my legacy in one step better place than he did, which is a pretty high bar. And you know, I think those are the kind of things that help me get in tune with who and what I am, if you will. I hate, sorry for the long answer, David. No, I enjoy it immensely. But relationships to are, are at a key and I love when someone uh, shows the priority or the importance of the most relative people to them and the meaning uh, that grandparents and parents and siblings can give to us. Um, and you are a relationship centric person as am I, but yet uh, we both are authentic in the meaning that we tell it like it is uh, out of love. Um, yes. And People have a terrible need to be offended. It's one of my ego-based consciousness that I fight every day. I always say, gosh, when you have a need to be offended, all you have to do is walk outside and, and your need is fed. I wish I could feed the world as easily as I feed my ego on being yeah. offended. Um, but there is a, a line uh, of credibility when, when we're giving constructive criticism. And does your personality that you utilize for content of being a straight shooter, of providing very constructive advice uh, that may offend people because you've told the truth and it hurts their feelings, not to be malicious, but to help. Um, I have found being of that personality that when I use it in my marriage or with my children, when I carry over constructive criticism, uh, that it, let's just say, doesn't work nearly as well as it does yeah. in the interviews or media. media. How do you temper what I think to think, uh, I seem to think is an authentic personality trait of being straightforward and yeah. constructive and positive without hurting maybe your wife or your children's feelings by saying it like it is? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough line to walk. But you know, my family sees the tenderness in me that a business person doesn't. My family has a knowledge of my heart, just like yours does. And as tough as you are, I'm guessing they think you're a softy too. So, <laughs> so I think we have that working for us with family, which provides a nice balance. Being a bar rescue is fascinating experience for me because I was successful before the show, David. And when I said to the network, I want failures. I don't want cakewalks. Give me real failure. I never knew this depth of failure even existed, David. I mean, I deal with people, they just blew their parents' retirement fund of $400,000. Their parents have nothing. They're living in their parents' basement, still eating their food at 50 years old, and they won't close this place. Their wife has left them. They've lost their house. I've seen depths of failure you and I would have never imagined even existed. So I walk into this business situation David, this person's sinking and sinking quick. They're losing their marriage. They're losing a relationship to their parents. Everything that personally means anything to them, they're losing, including the business. I have four days, man, four days to rebuild it, remodel it, do the menu, the market, everything. So I'm a raving maniac. There's this clock ticking in my head every minute that I'm there. But when I look in that person's eyes and I see that sorrow, I see that pain. I know they go to sleep thinking about their debt. They wake up thinking about their debt. Then I have every reason to fight for them in any way that I can. 
And I look at it that. And sometimes as an owner who's a real jerk, I might not say, you know what, this is the kind of guy I don't want to fight for. But I think of his wife back home or I think of his kids back home. So I always find something to fight for. That's the trick. You know, I don't believe that when people cast their votes in politics, you should vote against something. I think you should vote for something. I think in life we should do things for something. So that's an important delineation that I make every time I go into those bars. I find that pretty early on, they see my intentions. They get where I'm going. So the, the challenging of them, of their pride, of their ego, uh, of their intellect in front of their wives and their children cracks that brain open just a little bit, and then I can walk in. But getting that crack isn't easy. Walking in is a lot easier once you got the crack. <laughs> Talking about a new definition of open mind, which is always to me the first vetting process. I tell people all the time, thousand times the energy to convince a closed mind than an open mind. But I never thought of it as cracking it open, as you suggest. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is something that's important to me uh, in starting with when I ran Lee Steinberg is we were one of the few uh, agencies that required every one of our athletes and celebrities to give back to charity. They had to have a charitable purpose or a cause. And both of us have surrounded ourselves with world thought leaders. You, you mentioned, you know, a philosophy by Dr. Wayne Dyer about, mm -hmm. you know, marching for things and instead of against them, you know, mm -hmm. lessons that I've learned from incredible people like him and Bob Proctor and Jack Canfield and other people like Steve Wynn. But there's one person that we share in our history as well, which has a very important uh, place in my life as you're, you get older, is I've always uh, done a lot for Larry Rubo in the Cleveland Clinic. Mm -hmm. uh, first, because of my exposure to CTE, uh, and then having one of my dear friends have early onset uh, Alzheimer's. And as my mom turns 80, uh, we can see signs of what we all are working so hard for, uh, which is the awareness of a very critical issue. And you, among other things, uh, work uh, as a member of Keep Memory Alive board. Uh, I do. Larry. I um, do. I'm very proud. My donations got my name up on the wall outside. It was one of, the proudest, one of the proudest moments of my life, David. You know, I'm blessed. I have celebrity. I have money. If I don't give that back and leverage that for good, I'm just a complete jerk. That's my view. So, wow. you know, uh, Nevada SPCA, I love animals. I love dogs. You know, that's an important one to me. A Ronald McDonald House I've helped over the years. Uh, St. Jude's Ranch for Children I've helped. But, you know, Lou Ruvo Center, I'm on the board of. I'm very, very involved in that. We have to give back. First of all, when we're laying in our deathbed, we all need something to feel good about. <laughs> and, you know, I think when we look back over our lives, these little things that are meaningful that we've done, I think mean so much to who and what we are. There are defining moments. That goes back to authenticity. If this is who we are, then this is who we are. I don't understand people who aren't charitable, to be honest with you, who take all that wealth, all that success, and don't leverage it for good. I don't understand yeah. that. It, it's amazing because I always talk about the difference between Bill Gates and Steve Jobs because Bill Gates, obviously, like Warren Buffett, his primary concern is to leave a legacy and leave wealth for other people and inspire others to do the same. And people doubt me. I, I was CEO before Lee. He hired me because of my technology back, not, not because I was a great lawyer or a sports lawyer, uh, but he saw the future of sports and technology. I ran Samsung's phone division, and I would always tell people, people, you know, 200 years from now probably won't know who Steve Jobs is. And the reason is, is his philanthropy. 
where everyone will still know as they do the Rockefellers and others that and have Gates. Given back. They're going to know Gates for sure. And uh, they also, uh, to put you in that league because of your generosity, because of the community that you built through your authenticity, I promise you a few hundred years from now, when they walk by that name at the Keep the Memory Alive at the Cleveland Clinic there, uh, they're going to remember John Taffer, probably not for Bar Rescue, uh, but for all the people that you've impacted in your family, in your community, in our country, and even the world. And that's why I was so excited to have you on here. You exceeded my expectations from all of our familiar friends. You are exactly as you appear to be, what they call in uh, my culture, a mensch, John Tapper. My culture as well, Dave. I know. Thank, <laughs> thank, I just came from Israel to Scotland, so it's still resonating with me. I, I look bet. forward to seeing you much, much more. Anything we can do to be of service or value, we would like to extend the reciprocity to what you have done for so many. Please, everyone, and not that you haven't yet, but check out Bar Rescue, check out Taffer's Tavern, and also Taffer's Brown Butter Bourbon. Okay. Say that three times fast, and I promise you will. <laughs> After you had a couple, it may be even more difficult, but the incredible John Taffer, thanks for joining me on The Playbook.